Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host of the episode, Joe Carson, Chief Security Scientist and Advisory CISO at Delinea. And it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited. This is something that I've been really, you know, it's, it's a topic um, that's a passion of mine. Um, it's something that you know, has been helping me through my career for many years. And I've got an amazing guest on the show. Um, I've been having a pleasure to, to meet in person recently and to really get to know. And, and to, uh, for me, it's something that, you know, is really a, a, an important part of the industry. So welcome to the show, Bill. Um, do you want to give the audience a background about, you know, who, you're, who you are, you know, what you do and, uh, and some of the kind of fun things that you get up in the industry? Uh, well, I've been, uh, I've been running Nostarch. I started Nostarch Press in 1994 mm-hmm. been, after having been fired from three previous book publishing companies which I'm sort of proud of. I was fired for good reason. The, I was the classic in the book business. You basically mm-hmm. have people running these companies who are not business people. Mm-hmm. So in order to cover their own ass, they just start firing editors that happened at one company. And then the person who did that uh, got rid of me. Got rid of, she, was, she was fired, which, and she deserved that. She was a good editor. She was a terrible business person. Another uh, previous company, Osborne McGraw Hill, I was fired by a guy who uh, he was going around the room, punching the chairs, telling me that I needed to see a psychologist and he just needed to be basically on a drug rehab program. But I won't mention his name, but, <laughs> but uh, Coke does strange things to people is what I learned there. So that's, that was actually mm-hmm. the impetus for starting my, I already had a business plan when I started mm-hmm. in 94. Uh, that was just the, I needed a kick out the door, which some of us need to actually take that leap and start a business. Absolutely. And I, and then I was, uh, I actually co-founded another company, which is still around as an imprint only called A-Press in 1997. They probably still use my contract and I was uh, forced out by the board. And that was another good thing that happened to me is basically mm-hmm. had me focus on my own business. And in many ways we've eclipsed what they've done over the years by taking over markets, which is mm-hmm. what I like to do. So I, I, uh, brief, I, I studied political science as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I never intended to be a political scientist. I intended to be a biologist <laughs> and to anyone out there when, uh, if you're in college or considering going to college, if you take a wrong turn and, mm-hmm. and you have a parent who says like, wait, you wanted to be a mathematician. Why are you taking English? Take English, mm-hmm. be a mathematician, do what you love. I loved biology. I did not love mm-hmm. political science, but once you get to the point where you're declaring a major, it's a little too late. I didn't actually mm-hmm. know what that meant. When they asked me in sophomore year what major I wanted, I said, but what do you mean? Major? <laughs> so I picked I picked the thing. I actually talked to a friend hmm. who had a similar experience and just counted up the credits. And I figured, screw you, I'm going to pick this major because I'll hmm. be done with it first. Uh, that was a mistake. But, but with that background and interest in science, hmm. I was always interested in physics. So I still am. Chemistry. I was hmm. a very good biologist. I was not a good political scientist. 
So I've carried that forward through my editing technical books for years. Mm -hmm. And I started with, uh, I was in a post-baccalaureate pre-med program after working with my father's wedding gown factory. I wasn't very good at designing wedding gowns. <laughs> I didn't really understand the business, but I did understand one thing, one takeaway uh, mm -hmm. from my father. When I turned to him, I said, uh, these gowns are really ugly. He said to me, they're not for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a very telling comment from a very successful business person. Yeah. Like when I work on our books, they're not for me. They're, mm -hmm. they're for my readers. The thing that's made my book successful, one thing is I reflect what our readers want. I spend my mm -hmm. time going to conferences, unlike any editor in the business. I've never met, I never meet any, they may be at conferences, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine someone's at DEF CON, right? And they're not going to actually come yeah. up and find me. Some of them will, but it's very rare that I see editors in this business at conferences, actually mm -hmm. hanging out with the community. So um, when I started, so I left that, I just, just finished that thread. So I, I ended up in a, post-baccalaureate pre-med program, I was on my way to medical school. And th this this will give you some sense of the way I look at learning in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I dropped out of this program the morning before my first organic chemistry test because I had basically learned the most interesting parts of organic, which are protein and the importance of protein structure and function. Mm -hmm. The important part of not, the interesting stuff to learn is not studying reaction and memorizing reaction mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I can look those up. And I said, like, it was the morning before this test. I was like, this is stupid. I'll, I'll cram all these reaction mechanisms. I'll forget them at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll get an A and learn nothing. Mm -hmm. I was learning nothing in my physics class because there was no time. I love to learn, mm -hmm. like many of us. I, I like, I spent, people ask, like, what my hobby is. And the first thing I think is, like, learning is a hobby. I'm yeah, always, absolutely. whether I'm learning about orchids, which I mm -hmm. appear to have successfully grown at least, this week, my phalaenopsis orchids are budding, or mm -hmm. had to roast coffee, or fixed the. I got. I do have to fix this Juro espresso maker that a friend of mine gave to me. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I I like old cars. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at fixing them, but I like to know how they work. I, so for me, like when I started editing, I used to edit uh, biology, like acquire biology uh, books, uh, chemistry books, and such. I love to learn. I love to go and talk mm -hmm. to academics and hear what they're doing. I've been reading recently about um, things that are happening in the brain. I think uh, the, I think they called it. Anyway, the, apparently, when brains can sync up in ways mm -hmm. that we don't understand, there's a lot of stuff. We, this yeah. was a recent article I read in Scientific American, and that that's the kind of stuff that I wake up to. It's like this is exciting. I want to learn more. Yep. It sounds like it sounds like you actually had a couple of events that really kind of got you on the right path and, and really kind of you know set you up um, you know to to follow your passion ultimately because uh, I think if sometimes you do need some sometimes you do need those external forces to to, to force you in the right path and right. also you know sometimes the environment around you I think that you know uh, your father did actually one of the most uh, you know brilliant things is that you know know your audience as well is that it's not necessarily for you that's a brilliant uh, kind of uh, use of knowledge. Um, that really set you on a path. And, and one of the things for me that I find is I, I read a lot of books. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that fundamentally, even, you know, I, I have tried to change a little bit in my more kind of adult, adult years. I used to read, you know, like manuals of TVs and VCRs and fridges. That was, I was a very technical. And I also tried to have the balance between what I do now is between a little bit of fiction, a little bit of scientific and and, and maths and, and computer science so i try to balance it a little bit more now to get a little bit of different aspects 
Um, but for me, one of the things I find, and it's which is amazing uh, that I find from No Star Express is, is is the the level of learning that you get from the books because you're really getting it from the people you know that that are really good at putting it into a way that I always find is I come out with so much more knowledge and practical knowledge. It's not, it's not just theoretical. It's not just something that is, you know, an idea or a methodology. It's really to the point where it's really able to portray something that is sometimes very complex and very requires hands-on to the point where it actually is really such well-structured that you come away with a lot of knowledge. And that's one of the things I, I admire and, and, and for the, you know, the team that you have that you know makes that possible, it's impressive to be able to do that in, in, in a book format. Um, it's almost as good as, you know, some of the interactive lessons you learn from, from it's almost like you, you get to know the people behind the scenes as well, uh, because they do portray a lot of their personality into the books as well, um, that sometimes you don't find from others. So what's, you know, for a lot of the audience, you know, listening into, to, 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 you know, you're basically background and, and your passions as well is, what what's what does it take? What, what's the process um, that it takes you know to to create a book? You know, um, where does the idea come from, and and what's what's your magic formula that you would have to really get it where it structures in such a way that really is 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 aspiring? So let me start with author voice. Mm-hmm. So the so one thing that I found so my first the first time I edited so called computer books mm-hmm. was in 1990. I was at Osborne McGraw Hill, which was started by Adam Osborne while well, he was long gone. And I, I, uh, I edited computer game books, which was pretty cool for people who were <laughs> interested in gaming history. So I was calling out, I would call on Will Wright at Maxis. They had about 10 people in the office <laughs> in Alameda. That was cool. They were building SimCity. Uh, the, the Sierra Online games people. I mean, I, I worked on um, this game Falcon. So the guy who wrote oh, Falcon, it was... Yeah, yeah. You know, I wrote this book on Falcon and I, I was everything that I do. I, I typically plunge myself into it. I also did something on the sound blaster sound cards mm-hmm. because people couldn't get their cars working. So I published the book, which I completely lots, lots of driver problems. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did this official book on the sound blaster sound cards mm-hmm. that effectively kept the company open. Mm-hmm. It sold 50,000 copies in six months. Mm-hmm. I rewrote the entire thing, which was basically what I started doing in 1987, mm-hmm. When I was editing medical books, I used to rewrite the books, and, and they, they they would become bestsellers, like in mm-hmm. that field. Yeah. But I've I I've rewritten many of our books in the background. I don't put my name on the cover mm-hmm. because I don't think it's like good stage lighting. Like just because someone is doing good lighting doesn't mean you don't mm-hmm. want to see them on. I, I didn't come for the for the lighting. I came for the play. Yeah. So I that's part of our work should be to actually engage with the the author's work and try to bring mm-hmm. out the author's voice as best we can. And most of our authors are not necessarily writers first. They may love to write, but yep. they almost, I, probably not every author can use an editor, but most authors can use an editor. Mm-hmm. The editors should, an editor's work should take different forms based on what that author needs. Mm-hmm. Some authors, great writers, just need some direction. Other authors, great at what they do, just mm-hmm. need a lot more direction. <laughs> and sometimes they need rewriting. And so I, mm-hmm. what I've been doing... Uh, so over the years, I used to rewrite, I think, something like six to eight books a year. In fact, from mm-hmm. early years, books that I did early, I would, would, would probably went through everything. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of authors uh, bothered by that. And they'll say, like, it's not my writing, it's your writing. It's like I, my intention is to show people what works, what readers mm-hmm. want, and set them off on that path. Okay. And sometimes that means like a heavy hand to say, like, I can't follow this. 
So mm-hmm. to your point, like when I did a book on SCSI in 1997, it's mm-hmm. 70% my work. I talked with the SCSI three committee. I, mm-hmm. I, I rewrote all the SCSI docs literally. So I explained Synax signaling, how it works in the SCSI bus. It was interesting. I mean, I, I, I and my first machine at the company was actually a SCSI based machine, which, yeah. which outlasted a number of my other desktops <laughs> because SCSI was so great. But the, so I will insert myself into a book when, it, when I feel like it needs strong direction, because ultimately what I'm thinking of is mm-hmm. the, the reader. Every book has a yeah. price tag, as I tell my, my editors all the time. Mm-hmm. We're saying to someone, give us 40, 50 dollars and we'll give you a useful information. Mm-hmm. So th- I, I like to think that I've you know helped to mentor a number of authors who have come back over the years. Michael Lucas, for example, who did BSD books for me. The first BSD book that he wrote, he wrote on a Palm Pilot standing behind servers. <laughs> and as Michael will tell you, it needed a bit of editing. So okay. it, it got what it needed. And it, But I also made sure to maintain Michael's voice, his mm-hmm. sense of humor. He, is, he did a book on OpenBSD with OpenBSD haikus. And he mm-hmm. actually said to me, I thought it was funny, like, can I put these in? I said, sure, put them in. But, you know, it's fun. He's creative. Yeah. But, but, uh, but other authors can't really find their voice. They don't really know mm-hmm. what what to say. They're mm-hmm. they, so they I, cannot, I guess they, they haven't got the practice to find what their style is. You know, what what is their kind of, I guess, you know, approach or kind of what puts their personality into the text sometimes. I think, you know, when sometimes they're, they're writing from other, you know, writers that they've seen. Um, but if you write enough, I think sometimes you can start seeing um, a bit of your personality coming into the text, you know. Um, and I think, you know, even, even myself, when I, when I write, I have my own personal style. Um, I like a bit of humor. I like to add, you know, some of my experiences in there as well, you know, whether it's, you know, relevant to the subject or not, but it, it adds a bit of the personality in there. So it does. Well, that makes the book much more fun to read. We don't. So one thing, uh, and I, I, I have a, a lot of respect for publishers like over the years that, that, that have really built great bodies of works. For example, mm-hmm. you know, publishers of uh, Richard Feynman's work. I think that's Addison Wesley, but, mm-hmm. they're, but yeah. they're very different companies today. John Wiley has a great history of making some excellent books over mm-hmm. the years, but they too have changed because the market has changed. You can see mm-hmm. the changes. They don't have the editorial staff, the editorial direction, but they built this great corpus of work. O'Reilly used to, used to be lead in all these areas because they built a lot of a lot of the Unix uh, manuals and Unix yep. support, but they're but I think you can see that their their direction has changed. They're a learning mm-hmm. company now. They're not a book publisher first, but we are a book publisher first. Mm-hmm. So there and what I have maintained is and have continued to grow is our effort on to focus on editorial. Always mm-hmm. focus on editorial. I make books. I don't make yep. I don't make videos. I don't do you know I do a podcast with you, but I don't do mm-hmm. my own. I don't make training courses. Maybe mm-hmm. one day we'll do that. You know, probably we could do it well. But mm-hmm. I also don't want to step into an area unless I think I could do it very well. For example, yeah. like O'Reilly has really stepped into training, and I, I'm not going to compete with them. They're way mm-hmm. ahead of me when it comes to that. But when it comes to editing books, I there I I know I believe there are editors who are certainly as good as I am. Mm-hmm. But I, I have if I find someone I think is actually impressive, I want to try to hire them. Mm-hmm. But most are not connected. But the, what the editor's job ought to be is to understand like who's the ultimate reader. So mm-hmm. my company is called No Starch Press for a reason. But, and you, I, I think of it as no, no, no bullshit, but, it's, but 
Mm-hmm. And what that means is like there used to be these books on the market called Super Bibles, which would be these big fat books <laughs> I, containing nothing. I, I do have a I do have a few a few of those books in my which which are literally just indexes, <laughs> to be honest. Well, they're just the the whole computer book business was built on rewriting documentation. Yep. Basically to support piracy. That's what mm-hmm. it was built on. I never cared for that. It wasn't interesting to me. So the, when we when I was at Osborne McGraw Hill, we would we have these connections with Microsoft, whatever. Mm-hmm. They give you the documentation, then the authors would start writing. Go, they drop the flag, and off they go. It was just uninteresting. But really, what the, so they were rewriting documentation, and the people buy, buying are probably the ones who pirated the software. Mm-hmm. But and then and then you saw companies kind of le- start leaving the manuals out of the boxes. Yes, because, because publishers would write the documentation. I'm not in the documentation business. I don't mm-hmm. want to read documentation all day. Reference it, sure. Yeah. But early on, it was clear to me, you know, even just with a search engine like Alta Vista or mm-hmm. Asta La Vista, of course, had different <laughs> functions, but, but Alta Vista, I could find what I needed. So I've been running Linux for 20 years mm-hmm. or more. And I don't, I, I'm not going to read a manual on running Linux, but what I, what I did appreciate is our book called How Linux Works, for example. You'll see Linux boots and you get all these messages entering runtime this, runtime that. Here's here, How is the system built? I, so I don't need to know how to cut and paste stuff if I'm reading a book. If I, if I get a book on Word or whatever, like fine. Mm-hmm. Let's say I decide that I want a book on Microsoft Word. I've used word processors since literally 1987 or 88. I, I don't need to know how to cut and paste. Authors get tired. So... Why write 400 pages of stuff that everyone already knows? If you're doing a new Python book, mm-hmm. okay, don't take me through the setup and all the basic stuff. Give me the interesting stuff. So it, I, I think we have to look at what kind of where people are today. It's mm-hmm. not like computers weren't, personal computers weren't invented yesterday. We've, we've all had some level of experience. So yes. for each topic, if we're doing a book on malware analysis, like who is the reader? It's like we published back to a malware analysis, which needs revision. We know it is in process. It, it, it is a very good book, uh, but it, it is a bit dated. Yes, but still, yeah. I mean, still, still, that's that's the thing is that one, one one of my points is that you're absolutely right. You know, versus reference manuals, when when a new version comes out, that is already kind of you know it it becomes almost incorrect. Um, versus the, the the likes of the malware analysis, um, uh, you know, those cookbooks where it really gives you the the it's the methodology behind it that's what you're learning yes the the versions do change and the examples do change but it's the methodology it's 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 the kind of the mindset and the process mm-hmm. which which i find those books come across um the examples yes are, are are a few years old um but still that that mindset even when i get into chris's books as well uh, which is the ida ida books which are fantastic as well it, a little he did have the, the revision version two come out but still, you can even go through uh, even George's book, uh, the uh, pen test book. Yeah. Pen, yeah. Even it's that, it's still, it's still, you know, the versions that were, were used in that, that example, um, it's the mindset and the methodology which comes across. And that's, to your point, I think one of the great things you mentioned at the beginning is it's the, the, the process of learning. It's, it's, it's learning how to learn. And that mindset versus yes, I still can go to to the examples and, and kind of go go through and and follow along, but I start kind of getting to understanding about where that person's thinking and what's what's their their ideas, and that comes across in the books really well. Well, the people you just mentioned are all great teachers. I mean, Georgia does a great job of teaching people how to think like a penetration tester. 
I remember when she was working on this the book that one of my production editors so the, so this the acquisitions developmental editing that's the first stage then into production and she said I feel like I'm actually learning how to do penetration testing yeah. it's the same thing with practical malware analysis it's the same thing with Chris Eagle's mm -hmm. books and many of our others I mm -hmm. could keep going down the line yeah. Eric Mathis who publishes Python Crash Course used to teach computer science to high school students mm -hmm. it's the best selling tech book in the world by far it outsells everything. I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that it's, I've, I've never seen a book sell as well as that book in my mm -hmm. entire career, but these are great teachers. So part mm -hmm. of, part of what makes someone a great teacher is like, so, so Richard Feynman is a great model that I've, mm -hmm. I've always thought about. Feynman would basically expand or contract the discussion based on what he thought was important. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to go down this path, but let's focus on what's actually like, like when you take a class, you might retain five or 10% of what was presented to you. So why don't we think about like what, what that's going to be and give, give some support level of supporting information, but, but what do you take away from this? I want people to learn from our books. Mm -hmm. You should, you should give, you know, if a book costs you $50, you should get $500 worth of value. Yep. And with some of these training classes, I know with practical malware analysis, I remember someone saying to me, oh yeah, this is much better than the Mandian FireEye course and our book <laughs> cost like 50 bucks and that was $2,500. And yep. I see the prices on this stuff. We, I, in the book business, we don't routinely charge $2,000 for a book. I try to sell volume. I want people to actually be able to learn. I want lots of people to be able to learn from it. I want them. One of the things that I find most rewarding is when someone says, oh, my God, I love this book. And they're t like when I go to a show and people are picking it up and they're mm -hmm. basically selling books to their friends. So why are they selling it? Because it's like they, it's a book that made a difference for them. Serious cryptography. Yeah which is the last book that I actually edited in the tale. Mm -hmm. I spent an hour on each page because that's my gift. I, I kind of got tired of people talking about it's an HMAC, it's secure. It's whatever. It's like, no, and then you ask them and then the discussion would stop because mm -hmm. people couldn't explain it. So I want people to come away if they want to learn with an understanding of how cryptography actually works without going too deep into the math, which basically puts you off into the deep end where it's like, yes, you know, the cryptography, the probability, the probability side of things, which gets a bit, <laughs> a bit challenging. <laughs> so. It's not what most people need. It's yeah. not that there isn't reason to learn it, but if that's, if you're just trying to understand this, you can implement mm -hmm. it or just understand what decisions or why you shouldn't implement it. That's what I intended to do there. And that book really served the purpose. Mm -hmm. I published the TCPIP guide, I think in 2003, 2005, and it covered IPv6 throughout and, mm -hmm. and, it, and still today, like, I mean, it's a massive tone. People yeah. won't do it. So you have, you had Stevens TCP IP illustrated on the market. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Someone is apparently doing construction next to me. Hopefully uh, you can't not, hear a, it. not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But anyway, uh, Stevens TCP IP illustrated is not really illustrated and it reads like a white paper. Mm -hmm. I don't mind reading white papers. I don't mind reading research papers, but the, the, Sorry, I'm being distracted by hammering noises. <laughs> no, no problem. I, so, I, I, I always have the usually usually one, one myself and Jeremy were doing all the recordings. My problem here in because I'm based in Estonia is usually during the day I've got seagulls like flying by, <laughs> and, and sometimes they get into a big battle outside. Uh, so, so Jeremy's always having fun uh, having to edit out the, uh, the the seagulls in the background. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. This, anyway, the, the, never mind that. So. Okay, so. Back to the back to the topic at hand. So so when I look at books, I start with like, who is this for? So mm -hmm. I, I want our books to what what I do is try to mirror what our readers want and mm -hmm. make sure that when I offer direction, it's like this is what our readers are looking for. 
when they pick up the book, when people come to a, to one of my books and it's like, they should know that what the way it's packaged and the promise mm -hmm. is what it's going to be delivered. So you mm -hmm. should be able to, you should be able to understand the information, know that it's been checked, that it's clear. Mm -hmm. My, my uh, instruction to my editors and my authors always is if, if something is to the editors, if something is unclear, try to puzzle through it and figure out how you can make your way through it effortlessly. Mm -hmm. and when your mind starts to wander, cut. Yeah. Because how many times have you read a book? It's like blah, 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 page after page of nonsense. Give me the meat. I remember yes. that with networking books. Like, great. I don't need those 600 pages. Can you? So I mentioned earlier that authors get tired. So skip that part and start with the interesting mm -hmm. part. And then give me the five, give me the 400 pages that you didn't, wouldn't have written because you that's, were that's, tired of writing the basic stuff. That is always the most difficult part. So anytime I've written anything, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I will write and write and write and write. And I will write, I will just do a brain dump. And, uh, and my always difficult part is, and that's where I think an editor and copywriters really come in and they really make the big difference is because that's where you have the, the really, the challenge of what to your point is, is what to cut, how, how, how to get it down to the very basics where you're able to still get the, the information that you're looking to get across, mm -hmm. but it, in less words. Um, so that was always my challenge is, is, is knowing what to cut um, and having those conversations was always, you know, it, it's about how to keep it in, but keeping, keeping the same knowledge and the same, you know, the same, uh, let's say, learning what you're trying to achieve. Is it, do, you, do you find cutting the most difficult part or is that something that you kind of you become mean, natural? <laughs> probably has become pretty easy, but, but uh, I look at each, mm -hmm. each book has a story. Mm -hmm. Like these are just because they're technical, but it doesn't mean they don't have a story. There's yep. a story. Books are read, I think, often about the form of the physical book. Mm -hmm. We read them in, in, we read things in sequence. We read down yes. the page and through the book. But, and, and people who, a lot of, most of our readers have some academic background mm -hmm. and they generally, they like to learn. So we're trained in universities, colleges, like read the chapters mm -hmm. and, and then we're trained to annotate them and we're not comfortable necessarily skipping stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of times the stuff you want to skip is like all this filler that's stuck in there that you just don't really need. Mm -hmm. So make sure that things don't interfere with the flow of the story. Okay. So what, where is, where is the person trying to go? If you're trying to understand how, how to analyze malware in a sandbox, like let's mm -hmm. keep focused on the discussion and you can take it aside and put it in a box. There are little devices you mm -hmm. can do to set something aside. But if you've got page after page of stuff that's not relevant, put it someplace else or take it out and put it in another book. Mm -hmm. but, but you want like don't interfere with the story. Okay. I don't want. I don't like. So if you see the design in my books, I spend a lot of time working on that design. Okay. I don't. I don't have instructions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have instructions for how to read the book. I don't have ten different fonts. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, I, I had a great admiration for O'Reilly's work and we worked with them for 14 mm -hmm. years. They were doing our sales and distribution, but I never understood why you had to have instructions on how to read the book. <laughs> yes. So my books don't. And we took, and I have played with taking um, uh, monospace fonts out of books entirely, but it's helpful to have it. So okay. uh, sometimes with languages, if you don't highlight the code in a certain way, you just, it's, it's too hard to read. But okay. think about the reading experience. So I think about that all the time.
Mm-hmm. So, so what's so? Let's say you know, once some, an author comes up and and they they've kind of an idea and and so you agree on the talk. What's how, how much time I've seen? I, I you know spoke to different um, authors over the years. We had we had some great. We had Dave Kennedy on uh, the show last year, and we also had um, uh, Polino and uh, uh, the IoT hacking uh, guys as well. We're on with uh, uh, Bo Woods, um, and that's just just uh, Las Penosa has been on a few times as well. Um, so what, what's the process? I've heard different, you know, different authors have, you know, done it in sometimes three months. Others have taken a year or even two years. What's the most common time frame? You know, what, what do you see is, is the, the, you know, the time and process that it would be from, from the idea until getting a finalized book? So each author that you mentioned has had different experiences, not experience that I've modeled going forward. Um, like with the Metasploit book, yep. they went through <laughs> one editor who no longer works with us who just had the book off on the wrong track. I took it mm-hmm. over. Uh, they all hated me when I took it over, but I think they liked me in the end because they got a great book. The, the, book, the book was fantastic. It was, it was really well done. So it was. So, the, so before I took it over, you know, Metasploit is very chatty. So we had mm-hmm. literally like three or four pages of Metasploit chat, push the button, then here's all the options. And I'm saying like, mm-hmm. why do I need this? I'll just push the button that show the options. Mm-hmm. H.T. Moore is an old friend of mine, and I actually did yep. that at, at a, as a gift to him because I wanted to make a great book on Metasploit, but I reworked that entire thing. I did the same thing with Practical Malware Analysis because the mm-hmm. same editor worked on that one and the same thing where it was just, it wasn't moving. So mm-hmm. uh, I've changed, uh, I'm working to continue to change our editorial process. It should take reasonably eight to 10 months is what I, mm-hmm. I don't rush our books. It's generally a comfortable amount of time for people to write their books. Mm-hmm. It could take a year. Uh, uh, someone writing a book in three months makes me very nervous mm-hmm. because it means that there's not enough time to think. But the, I have many instances in the past where I had books taking years because an editor wasn't actually working with, they would just wait. And mm-hmm. authors often need a schedule. Like, what, what should I work toward? Oh, just send it in whenever. Okay, I'll send you the second <laughs> chapter here. So that so we want some some kind of schedule that the author agrees on authors set their own schedules with us but we want some kind of schedule okay right? so once the, what what i'm doing now is when before we sign an author i get on a call with an author i want to understand what their motivation is what kind of book they're writing mm-hmm. i i tell authors too that you should to my mind be able to turn the pages of the book in your mind so you can get a feel for what i'm making a physical thing yeah you can buy it electronically but i I can't stand reading these books electronically. I can't figure out where they are. But what is it that makes us actually love a book, this packet of, packet of information, like, you know, collected information? I can pick it up. I can figure out that what I was looking for is somewhere right over here. And you grab a button, mm-hmm. you know, it's about two-thirds of the way in. You can find it. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot, a lot to be said for thinking about just the way pages look, like the different page setup. Mm-hmm. Those books can be are very visual. I remember when I, I, I went back... 35 years later to look at my development of biology books, I remembered actually some of the notes that I took and the, and the images on the page. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said for the physical form, but our, in the past, our editors did not work on schedule and would just mm-hmm. basically there's, I would say to any author listening in your editor should do more than just cheerlead. Yeah. Unfortunately, too many of the editors in this business will be like, I would say, How'd you like your editor? Oh, they were great. What did they do? Oh, they would call me up and say, great job. They were mm-hmm. great, you know, really rah, rah, rah. I mean, 
I will, I am very direct. And if I think it needs work, I'll tell you. And if it's great, I'll tell you. But my goal is to make the book great. Same with our editors. But a cheerleader, it's like, yeah, great job. Great. Oh, you're doing a great job. Just keep running over that cliff. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be down in 10 minutes when you hit the ground flat. You're so absolutely right. It, it does take, so, you know, you need somebody who's a critic that will basically tell you how it is and, and, and give you the kind of their, you know, if you get somebody who's really good at, you know, making sure you, you put it into that story format. That, that was one of the things I was good at putting the text, but putting it into this, you know, getting it where the, and also putting stories. So, mm-hmm. but, but individual stories. And I think the important part that I find with working with editors was they were able to make the stories flow much better and put sure. them in a structure that means that you, you know, one will come after the other. Um, others I've, I've worked with, uh, yeah, I don't need, uh, when, I'm, when I'm running something, um, one of the things also um, editors who, who tick, you know, they tick up my personality from the text and just make it basically just, you know, almost like that reference manual or that, you know, basically computerized <laughs> approach. And it really mm-hmm. loses the personality. And sometimes I find I struggle with those. Um, so absolutely, you know, to, to getting to a point is, is you need somebody who's going to tell you how it is and how to make sure that you're still connecting with the audience and that and that story flows. It's so important because that that's what makes if, you, if there's a lot of books where I've read. I, I just went through from, from start to finish. And to your point, one of the things I've, I do as well is I've got my little sticky notes that I basically take notes and references through each page that I want to go back and I want to practice something because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the books also have a lot of uh, practical you know examples that I, I want to go and I want to get a, my oscilloscope and I want to connect it to a piece of hardware and start, you know, turning off the electricity accidentally uh, <laughs> or burning. I was talking about Paulino before, you know, how many times I've soldered my fingers and burnt my fingers um, or end up in the dark. Those are the things you, you really want is, is them to be something that you go over multiple times. And also, you know, the storytelling pack it means that you will, you will go through quite, quite fast. But one of the things that you mentioned, one, one, what I do quite often though, and I think it's one of the things we've discussed before is I, I sometimes get the uh, digital versions first. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've, I've got to the approach is that, yes, I get the digital versions because I travel quite often. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I will carry one book with me, uh, but I don't want to have the many books. Um, so I'll still have the digital versions as easy access and easy reference. And mm-hmm. I'll sometimes take you know, notes as well. Um, but if, if, if I find the book is really good, I actually go back and I, I buy the physical copy. Um, because for me, I think it's one is the right thing to do. For, you know, to, to one is to reward the authors as well as you know that you you really appreciate the value that they put into it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think also sometimes it's, you know even uh, the book as well. Just there's sometimes there's nothing like just having a good book in your hands. Um, and I think one thing I have to, to to applaud as well is the quality of the the books and 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 just the feel of the books also um, is is much different from others. Um, so that's one thing as I find as well. You know, no starch has done. A great, th- you know, in in the quality side as well. So I'm I, I know a lot about the book business, including book production and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So I select the paper, the paper that I normally use mm-hmm. when I can get it. We we haven't been using it because it's they keep raising the it's prohibitively expensive. Okay. But there was a paper that I used for, for years called Sixty Pound Finch Opaque. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I actually care a lot about <laughs> papers. So we have a paper that's comparable. Uh, and when you look at papers, you think there's something called calendaring, which is basically mm-hmm. measured how smooth it is, how thick it is, how opaque it is. So I don't like to see show through. Show through really bothers me as in I don't yeah. want to look at one page and be able to read the one behind it. So I'm yes. very careful about readability. I don't want super bright white papers because I don't like glare. Mm-hmm. I want 
I want a comfortable, I don't want ivory papers because they get too dark. I want papers that are easy, that feel good or easy to read, give you, and I also use uh, lay flat, generally, generally, but not always, lay mm -hmm. flat bindings. Lay flat bindings can cost an additional 10% of manufacturing costs, which is not insignificant. But they're, it's, it's, with these lay flat bindings, the cover mm -hmm. actually stands away from the spine. So the cover, the spine doesn't crack because it uses a flexible glue. The cover mm -hmm. doesn't crack and the book lays flat. Yeah. Because yeah, because sometimes I think one of the things you get is sometimes you get a book where you you, you have to stretch it open in order to be able to see right. the you know the end of the page, right. um, and it's you know one of the things I found is that it's so much easier and you don't have to do that stretching. It actually you know it's a book that actually um, it's it's a readable book. That's that ultimately comes down to and, and I think one of the things you mentioned all you know not having to see through and the quality of paper does make a big difference. Well, I also I also use a thicker cover paper. I don't mm -hmm. like the flimsy feeling. I don't yeah. like a wet, the wet noodle feel with some of these print-on-demand <laughs> books. I use a I use a special finish on the cover. It's called lay, scuff free lay flat mat. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a mat a plastic mat laminate cover with an aqueous coating that gives it a this kind of smooth feel, which mm -hmm. only one person has hated, but maybe others like some people just can't deal with the. They just think it feels too slippery. Yeah, I like the mat. I, I like I like that you know uh, texture as well, the feel um, as well of the, the you know from the cover. Uh, it's it is very different from other books, but it's actually you know, it it also makes it very unique because I, I don't think it's com it's, it's something that's not commonly used in in, in no, it in costs extra. Yeah. All those things cost extra, mm -hmm. and people you know th this is unfortunately I think what's happened with the business with larger publishers or publishers with a larger list. Is that they're they're not seeing the sell through on books. They're not seeing the kind of sales volume, so they're just making more of them. Mm -hmm. So you have a, one company on the uh, in the business packed. They just seem I, I like to call them packets of paper without the yeah. e. But, <laughs> but I, I, what I see, and I'm not shy about saying this, is that they suck up a lot of authors who do a lot of hard work for them, and then they sell 150 copies. And they and I mean I I'm amazed at how poorly some of these books sell, mm -hmm. and they just put people on this crash schedule and they put this out with print on demand. So mm -hmm. I think that the, you see the result of print on demand on the market where it's really easy for everyone to be a publisher. Mm -hmm. It just makes them. Yeah. I can use print on demand too. I can print five copies and say, I published your book, mm -hmm. but I don't do that. So the other thing is I print generally offset. I mm -hmm. print 5,000 copies at a time, not 50, mm -hmm. not a hundred. And that means we're, we have to be very careful about not growing too much inventory and really doing realistic inventory productions. What you projections, what you get in the end is a really nicely printed book yep. using wet ink on real presses, mm -hmm. which my competitors generally don't do. And for certain books, throwaway things, maybe it doesn't matter, but for, you know, mm -hmm. practical malware analysis, that book is relevant and still selling strongly. It, it needs really revision now. Hacking yep. our, hacking our exploitation. Yep. That book was last released in 2008 it's still <laughs> usually in our top 10 mm -hmm. Linux command line, which is free online. And I've sold Linux, Linux command line is fantastic. And even, uh, I think it's the hackers, uh, was it a handbook one? Which one is it? Uh, hardware uh, hackers handbook. The hardware hackers handbook is also hardware. great as well. Those uh, guys are amazing. I mean, very dense, mm -hmm. but yeah, you mentioned, you were mentioning hardware attacks. Like you want to learn about side channel attacks. Don't oh, that's, yeah. That's a, yeah, it was a Jasper, isn't it? Is Jasper, 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 Jasper,
That's a very, I edited three chapters in the book and I just couldn't get, it was really dense, really interesting. It, it was, so I, it did, it did get, I mean, it did get very technical towards the end when you're getting into the side channels and basically the static and, 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 uh, uh but some of those, you know, methods of, of brushing <laughs> over and, uh, and the, the, the balls and the processors all, it was, it was really <coughs> get into a lot of uh, technical, even to, for me, it was, um, I do, you know, quite a bit of hardware hacking, but it got to the point where, it was over my head, but but still at the point where I was still learning. It wasn't oh, yeah. too over my head. I, I I can understand it, but I I don't think I could get to the point where I could reproduce some of the stuff that they were doing myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. Where I think in that book, yes, it got to the point where you know even the equipment that I had, right. <laughs> I, I I got to the point where I could follow along. But some of the equipment you would need you would need to go much much further and stuff. But it was it was still it was still fantastic to learn about some of those techniques. Well, sometimes, you know, there was a book that I, I uh, his name, Ben, I can't remember Ben's last name, but I, he built his own electron microscope, uh, Ben. Oh, is it, is it, did he do the electronic for the kids book? Was that the Ben? No, 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 that's, oh. that's Oyvind. Oh, yeah. uh, I just can't remember Ben's last name right now, but basically he has done some amazing high level, very complex hardware projects. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I, I wouldn't build my own electron microscope, but I'd like to know how an electron microscope would be built. So Bunny's hack, hacking the Xbox, for example. Mm-hmm. I've never actually hacked an Xbox. I've never like taken it apart, but I read through his entire process, how mm-hmm. he did it, and I understand how you how you take apart hardware. So yeah. I, I read to learn, and yeah, I don't necessarily absolutely. do it. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I, in reading the hardware ha- hacking handbook, like I understand mm-hmm. how voltage attacks work and how you read yeah. stuff, but I'm not going to sit up an oscilloscope and take those measurements. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the one, yeah, I did my oscilloscope sitting in the background. Finally, I've moved to the office, so I've got a bit, a bit more space to do it because it does take a lot of space. Um, but it is, it is something that you kind of learn. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, who does the designs for the covers? Because that's always interesting as well because the, the, the design, the graphics side of things. So where does, where does the cover design come from? Is that something? Because I don't think it's – I'm not sure the authors will, will come up with their own designers or do they sometimes? Um, or is it something that you, you do very, yourself? Very rarely. So I typically art direct the covers, but that – as in like the ideas will come – Sometimes I just I, I listen to an author and I come up with a, some crazy idea and it actually works. <laughs> that happened numerous times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've I will typically direct them as in, but I'm not the illustrator. So okay. I have a few illustrators that I go to. I'm working on one now. Um, I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's, we're doing a book on um, Black Hat Bash and the cover oh, concept. Okay. Mm-hmm. This shadowy figure with a shell and it looks cool. And I have one of mm-hmm. my one of my illustrators does my death metal shirts. I'm wearing one of them now. Okay. <laughs> he's a he's a death metal artist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then we have a woman Gina who's done a lot of illustration. Mm-hmm. Should we work together on kind of coming up with the cover concept? I I will. I'm trying to come up still with a process where mm-hmm. I I kind of work with the authors, get them to understand that I want a basic concept, but people are trained to stick in all this technical detail, and I just keep stripping it out. <laughs> and 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 the best testament to the fact that like we just want something that looks right is mm-hmm. Python crash course, which has a Python, which Python is not is yep. based on Monty Python, but this is a Python snake sitting on a rocket engine. Yep. Like yep. nothing about Python programming. <laughs> yeah. This is the best selling tech book in the world. So yep. when someone says we need this, we have to put a bunch of code. It's like, just take it out. Like I had, I had so much fun with my son actually doing the Python crash course. Cause it was the one with the space invader game in it. Um, was it, was, was that one was, it was, I, Python crash I, course, I, I think it was a space invader game. Could be Mission yeah, Python. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So, and so we oh, basically. Well, there's I, there's Python for kids. There's Python Crash Course. It might, it might have been it might have been the, I, I can't remember which one it was, but I know it, it came with the practical game that you basically go through. And you, you you slowly create the different uh, you know uh, aspects levels. of the game levels and and I had so much fun um, with my, my son doing it. And we also changed some of the graphics and images to, to be much more comical as well. Um, but that's the great thing as well. It's it's, it's can, you know those books. Um, any any one of the things I find as well is that no matter what level you're on as well yourself personally. You will get value as well. Is that you know you don't have to be an expert. You can come along with basically either you know uh, a low level of knowledge introductory, or you can still be an expert, um, mm -hmm. and you'll still get value from it because you're getting not just this textbook basically manual thing. You're getting to the point where you're getting that person's per, you know right. own experience coming through, and that does make a big difference as well. I, I like to think about our books as it's like I, I've thought about this for years. It's like you're reading over the shoulder of someone that you respect. Or it's like that person is in the book. It's yeah. hard to get there. It takes a lot of work. It's a, mm -hmm. it's much easier to not edit. Uh, I think yeah. I, I think it. I might be misquoting it, but Mark Twain I think said something like, "I uh, I don't know." It's it's, a, it's essentially <laughs> like I would I I would have written a shorter book, but I didn't have enough time. Something yeah. like that. So, so that's probably a total misquote. How many people's involved in the whole process? So you know, you, you know, if an editor, you have an author, an illustrator. Um, what, what's the team behind? What, what typically is involved? So we work. Uh, there's a certain level of collaboration, certain mm -hmm. level level of independent work. So uh, I direct together with a managing editor the editorial program, and our managing editor now is Jill Franklin, who ran Linux Journal for 20 years. Oh yeah, yeah. yep. And Jill has great experience, and generally we're in sync, mm -hmm. and I think that's been a great change for the company. So we start uh, with kind of reviewing projects. You, most of our projects are coming in over the transom. People finding us, mm -hmm. I love this book. I'd love to publish mm -hmm. with you. But the reason I go to one reason I go to conferences is to meet people who might not otherwise meet me and talk with them and try mm -hmm. to get them to work with my company and explain that process. So the the whole process should be focused on mentoring authors and making sure that we take a good book and make it great. Mm -hmm. So. It starts at that level. We then assign the book to an editor whose job it is to work with the author on schedule and review chapters as they come in. Mm -hmm. After, after uh, so once chapters look clean enough and are on, and are on track, and I'm and doing more to check on that to make sure that they are on mm -hmm. track, they go to production where we have a team. And basically, if it's not a lot tech book where it's basically composed, we're putting it into pages using InDesign mm -hmm. and making sure that the Chapters are proofread that we, well, they get copied and proofread both. So we have a production editor who basically oversees that process. Okay. Pulls together a team of a copy editor, a proofreader, maybe a layout person, depends. Mm -hmm. And they're overseeing to make sure that the chapters are in track. This is, this is just old school publishing mm -hmm. and unfortunately not what every company has. But I, I structure the business just as there's a way to do book publishing right to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I use a fairly, mm -hmm. I, I use basic process. Uh, I have a team of sales and marketing people who work together with the authors and with Penguin Random House, which is our distributor, mm -hmm. to make sure that we're in sync. So we're cataloging books way early and trying mm -hmm. to figure out the basic plan so that we can get advance orders from the from the book business. So scheduling becomes important at a certain point. We have uh, people generating not just marketing copy, but different mm -hmm. promotions or flyers and stuff like that. So it's a whole kind of collaborative process. But the ultimate goal being... I want to make good books great, and I want to maximize the sales as much as possible. So I have one person dedicated to farm rights sales. So she's mm -hmm. going around just getting rights deals. 
and she does an amazing job of it. And that can be very lucrative for authors. This is the book business. It's not as lucrative as a weekend training if you're a star, mm -hmm. you know, and I recognize that, but she will easily get, you know, significant deals from, mm -hmm. uh, foreign rights translation partners and authors get 50% of that. So that's one way we can okay. help authors to bring in some real money. And mm -hmm. I have a, my royalty structure is flat. So we, we, it's a cafeteria plan. People mm -hmm. choose the options, 10%, 12%, 15%, pick one. And mm -hmm. authors often have no idea how to evaluate this. And they'll look at something and they'll say, oh, this company is better. They'll pay me 17%. Well, 17% of zero is zero. And, yes. but I, so numbers lie. So, so, so I say to any author listening, ask the hard questions. Well, what, what, how is this structured? What happens? And, and I don't cut royalties for different types of sales. Mm -hmm. There are contracts out there where they cut a royalty in half for direct sale. Why? Mm -hmm. I, I pay the same royalty level. We, they, they, they take the author's royalty and give them that percentage of a foreign rights deal. I get 50%. Mm -hmm. And I added this up and it's like, the difference is very significant, but, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, authors are too eager to just sign something because someone offered them a contract. Yeah. And I say to every author, including ones that want to work with us, take your time, read through the contract, ask the hard questions before you sign the contract. Because once yeah. you sign the contract, if you sign with another publisher, I can't even talk to you about that mm -hmm. contract because it's called Nettling. So yeah. I've had people come to us, I'm frustrated with this company. I'd like to talk with no starts. I can't even explore that. Mm -hmm. So take your time. Don't give away yeah. your product because it's and, and, part yeah. of your work. And, and talk to other authors as well, who, who, you know, who you aspire with, you know, and get their feedback um, as well. And sometimes even, you know, depending, they, they might direct you in, in, in the right, you know, kind of path, but also they will give their own experience about, you know, how they would do it differently as well in the future, um, for sure. So definitely, you know, I, I always recommend authors who make sure you, you talk to others um, who went with different publishers and just to get their honest feedback. Right. Um, and, and they will definitely, you know, let make sure that you know kind of what you're getting into as well and ask those and turn those into questions because each person mm -hmm. has one person's experience someone might love it someone might hate it but like go to the person that you're working with who's who will be my editor what can i expect from your marketing people can i talk to your marketing people what's the plan here you know like ask those questions because ultimately you're trading off some percentage of revenue it, mm -hmm. it's not like if you get 15 percent, the publisher doesn't pocket 85 percent. it doesn't yeah. work like that but you know but ultimately you're trading off something for service this is a service business so if you're hiring any service ask the hard questions before you sign the contract so bill it has been uh, honestly a pleasure uh, and uh, fantastic uh, listening to you in the background and and i have to you know say is that you you are doing such an amazing work in the industry because the the quality of the books the learning um, even for myself, it actually has, you know, I, I'm always looking for things that really push me to the next level and, 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 and to continuously learn. And I've learned so much from the books that uh, your company and, and you've kind of you know, brought to the industry and, and, and really helped, I think, take some, some authors who are good and make them great um, and really kind of take along that process. So um, I hopefully, you know, get to catch up with you again, probably at DEF CON or ours, uh, a Black Hat, um, I guess, uh, will be the next opportunity. Um, any final words that you would like to leave the audience kind of, um, what would, you know, if, if they have an idea, what, what would you say would be the next step? If, if they've got something they're really passionate about and they really kind of have experience and a story to tell, what would be the first step or first, uh, thing that you would recommend? Uh, use the, 
don't email me directly because I might not see your email for three years, but email editors at nostarch.com that routes to multiple people mm-hmm. and with your idea. I mean, ideally there's a, there's a page on our site, a write for us page, which I wrote mm-hmm. and that's what I'm looking for. I think every book needs a good plan and I, I can only do so much with an idea. And the problem with just the idea is like you have one idea, I have another, and you end up writing this book based on that idea. And I say like, I can't publish this. Mm-hmm. So, I, I really want to see a proposal. I want to make sure because that practical malware analysis had an amazing proposal. Mm-hmm. And like and and that we use that as a model. We'll send mm-hmm. you the proposal, use it as a model. It's going to help any author to plan their work because mm-hmm. it's, writing a book is probably twice the amount of work or three times what you mm-hmm. think it will be. It should be an yep. enjoyable process, but yep. you need that. You need that plan. So we I encourage people always to write the plan. Don't just yeah. end if you're. Don't, you know, don't be offended if like we don't just sign you based on the idea because get, signing a book that's haphazard means that we've got a lot of discussions to mm-hmm. go through and a lot of frustration and I need the plan and, and every author mm-hmm. should have that plan. But chat, you know, find me at a conference or mm-hmm. you know, you reach out to me. I'm happy to mentor. Even if you're, you don't publish with me, that's okay. Or you're just like, you want to try it on your own? All right, mm-hmm. I'll give you some advice. I'm not going to give you, you know, weeks worth of advice, but I'll give <laughs> you suggestions. Try this and here's the challenge. Ask the hard questions. Think for yourself. Like dig in. Don't just take one person's opinion. They tell you we're amazing. Don't assume we're amazing. Maybe we're a terrible fit. But ask those questions before you sign. Do your own due due diligence. This is your baby. So, you you know, if someone's going to have you write something for eight to ten months and sell a hundred copies, I mean, yeah, you might. Maybe you don't care about the money, but maybe you want to do a little digging. If you mm-hmm. want to talk with us, talk with Wiley, talk with Pearson, talk with Ryan, whatever. Just check off, check out the options. Yeah. There, you, you want to make sure to not alienate companies, but like companies don't. They, they like to hear that if it's a simultaneous submission, that that's mm-hmm. the case. At least I do, so we can know. But just I think be upfront about that because ultimately you're dealing with a person on the other end. So yeah. that, that person is going to is going to going to work with you at some level. Ask for sample editing work. Mm-hmm. There's no, mm-hmm. I'd do it. Ask for a yeah. sample. Tell me your marketing plan because mm-hmm. you're trading off. You're, you're basically buying that. This is a service yeah. business and publishers need to do a better job of servicing authors. It's a service business. So keep in mind that you are, you're buying something, you're buying the work of it because you can mm-hmm. go and take it to, you know, create space. You can take your project, but they'll monetize every piece. So what do you need? What do you want? If you don't want editing, then it, there's no value there. And so what else can this publisher do? Mm-hmm. And they, Make us squirm a little bit. It's okay. I, I have I have nothing to hide. I'll tell you how we do our sales and distribution. I'll tell you mm-hmm. where we're weak. I'll tell you where we're strong. I'll tell you why books work. I'll tell you why they don't work. I'll, I'll suggest ways that you can approach mm-hmm. your work. Use AI tools, chat GPT, if it's mm-hmm. still around by the time this goes out. Probably this. But use it to mentor yourself. Have us mentor you. Listen to what you're... If you, if you respect your editor, listen to the suggestions that they make. I mean, my goal is always to help authors to make their books better. Yep. That's what I've done for my entire career. And you, you do that. I, I, I absolutely, I, you know, it's it's such amazing to to. I think that's the lessons learned in your experience and the team that you have. It definitely takes an author and it, it makes a great author. Um, I can definitely from from the many books that I've read uh, through, you know, from those starts. It's yeah, it, it is a, it is a big difference. Uh, Bill, it has been amazing having you on. Um, and it's been such a pleasure, and it's always. Uh, it's a it's a great listening to you and, and talking with you, and uh, again many many thanks for being, for being an awesome guest on the show. 
And we'll definitely make sure that, you know, all of the, the links to, to Notice Arch and, and other things, we'll make sure we get into the, the, the show notes as well. And uh, really looking forward for, you know, the future uh, uh, amazing learning that I will get you know, from, from, from yourself and others. Thank you for, for having me on the show. It's been great. It's been, I love absolutely talking to you. Pleasure. Your work. Look forward. So everyone, this is the 41 Access Tonight podcast. And again, I hope this has been very educational for all the aspiring authors out there. Um, you know, definitely take, uh, you know, Bill's, Bill's ex- wealth of experience and knowledge and definitely look and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you, you have a plan and, and, and go through it and, and prepare and ask the hard questions. Um, so look forward to, to speaking with you again in the future. Everyone stay safe, take care and uh, look forward to the next episode and podcast. So take care. Thank you.